Hello and welcome to the Emotion Focused Podcast, a series all about emotions, how emotions work for us, how sometimes seemingly they don't work for us, and what we might be able to do about that. I'm Lou Cooper, I'm your host and I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, and in this series I'm joined by people from around the world whose professional lives have been devoted to the exploration of all things emotions. For this episode, we are looking at emotions in children. And I'm delighted to be joined by Vivian Wisniewski, who is an educational and developmental psychologist and an emotion-focused therapist, also based in Melbourne. Hello, Vivian. Hi, Lou. So knowing that I was going to be speaking to you today, I had a wonderful experience in the park. I was walking my dogs And I saw two small children in the park with their parent. And one of the children was patting my dogs quite happily. She'd asked whether she could pat my dogs. And I said, yes, my dogs are friendly. And she's patting my dogs. And there was this beautiful smile on her face. She was so happy, you know, the expression of joy. And at the same time, her little sibling was just clinging onto their parent's thigh and the Mm. look on their face was of one of absolute terror. Yeah. You know, I did say, do you want to pack the dogs? And they clung even, they clung even tighter to to that thigh. And I Mm. thought, what a lovely, innocent, free expression of emotion. That's what I was seeing, wasn't it, Vivian? Yes, that's right. I, I guess a child who was feeling free to express their emotion, their whether it was fear, whether it was, you know, a shyness because it's a strange sort of situation, whatever it was, that it was it was beautiful that the child could express it and that the parent was there for them. Let them hug the thigh. And that's that's what we that's what we want children to express, isn't it? We do. We do want them to know that it's it's safe to express emotion, that it's welcome, that it's allowed, it's normal. Yeah, we want them to know that. And I think I'm right in saying that that kind of expression of emotion sort of fades as we get older. Yeah, because we actually want them to know that it's healthy to express it, not just normal, that it's healthy. But, yes, we do for whatever reason, whatever experience, we do lose that sort of ease with it, yeah. That spontaneity of I'm, yeah. I'm happy and yeah. I know it, I'll clap my hands kind of thing. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So in your work, you're, I'm guessing, not seeing that kind of expression or do you see that kind of expression? I guess I see a range of expression. There might be those that are clingy and anxious or hesitant, a bit sort of less uh, willing to express or to show their emotion. But then even even those that are clingy are showing their emotion. But then it sort of ranges all the way up to those that are angry or expressing their emotion in a hostile or aggressive way. But that's an emotion too. But sometimes... 
the anger and the hostility or the aggression is actually hiding something else that's going on. It means it, there's a meaning behind it, uh, but they're not free or they can't show that, that other parts are there more willing to show the anger. So are, are children necessarily aware of their emotions? Because, you know, often adults are not aware of their emotions. Are all children, are we all aware of our emotions when we're children? I think they're aware that they're, you know, they're having a difficult time of things or they're aware that they're they're happy or they're sad. They're aware of it, but do they understand what that's about or where that is, what, what, what is it they're experiencing? I think sometimes that can become a bit confusing or a bit overwhelming, a bit scary sometimes. Okay, so they, they know that there's something going on. Yeah. They might not know what to do with it. What to do with it, what it's about. Yeah, I think that, that can be quite confusing, Yeah. Okay, so if it's confusing for them, I'm I'm guessing that therefore they do things or they behave in a certain way that is problematic, and that's why they end up with you. Yeah, yeah. It's usually they usually come. The parents refer, or it's recommended to the parents by a kinder or teacher, because there's a beha- their behaviours that are observed and that are concern that you know creates complicates things for the child makes things harder for them or makes things harder for people around them. Yeah, it's a behaviour and it's usually anger, you know, or extreme distress. And so the behaviour is the concern. That's the the original reason for referral often. Okay, so the, the parent or the school is, is, is comes to you because they want the behaviour to change. So their focus is on the behaviour you, as an emotion-focused therapist, would have your focus on the emotion, yeah? Yes. Well, it's sort of a bit like investigating or exploring to try and find out or understand what's underlying the behaviour. And the process often does help parents understand or um, tune into what's happening underneath, what the behaviour is about. Okay. So, Let's take a few examples of behaviours, if we kind of work backwards, I suppose. If, if you were going to be working with anger, anger was the, is the emotion that is, let's say, causing the problem, what sort of behaviours would you be seeing presented by, by the parent to you about the child? Parents might present with concerns like the child is hostile, um, aggressive either with the parents or with siblings, aggressive with, you know, belongings, can be quite sort of destructive with their belongings or things around the house. At school, it can be seen as, you know, difficulty with peers, not following instructions with the teacher, running away, sort of running away behaviour. Yeah, refusal to cooperate is a big one, yeah. Okay, refusal to cooperate. So this is an expression of anger, and I'm guessing the anger could be about anything, or is it about anger, or is it about something else? Is it about another emotion? Well, it, I guess there could be a few different paths that we might follow. I see a lot of anger being about, underlying the anger is 
fear, you know, fear because there's been change, significant change in a child's life or disruption for some reason or another. Sometimes it could be, you know, grief, grief and loss or some sort of shift, some change has happened in their lives and it's hard for them to cope or adjust and understand. So because they can't share that or they don't know how to share that, it sort of builds up and then it becomes quite angry, yeah. So this is Um, really interesting, Vivian, because you're saying, you know, the child is showing anger but actually, the if you want the the difficulty for the child is is not anger. The difficulty for the child is that they they're scared. They're scared. They're sad. They might be confused. Something's happened. Something's changed, and they just they haven't caught up or they don't understand. Something's not fair sometimes, or they you know they feel. Yeah, the change has led to something being different and they're not ready for it or they haven't adjusted to it. Okay, so they might be angry because it's not fair because there's this change that maybe they had no say in, for instance, or they're scared of what that change is going to mean or what's going to happen. But as you're talking about them expressing the anger rather than the fear I'm guessing that it's too hard for them to express the fear or they don't know how to express that fear or maybe they do but it doesn't get seen or maybe any of those. All of that. All of that is possible. It's really interesting because it each case can be a little different in the way the child has perceived the, the situation um, and often parents are unaware. It can be something simple, as simple as dad or mum or parent have, you know, change in their work schedule, for example, and so the parent is less available to the child. could be something like a, a sibling, a, a little baby being born. That could change things. It uh, could be something like the dynamics at school has changed, um, you know, friendship group has changed or change of teacher, and it, it might sound like a little change but for the child it could be quite significant. So Vivian how do you if the child comes in with a parent saying you know there's this behavior that seems to be you know anger acting out how do you go about you know discovering if you want discovering that actually it's a a fear-based response how do you go about finding that or do you kind of hypothesize around it? I do have hypothesis around what's going on and what it's about in helping the child sort of explore that and express that. It could be a couple of different ways. Sometimes it's through drawing. If the child can't, doesn't have the words for it, doesn't know what it is, um, it's vague, uh, we might sort of explore it through drawing and I encourage kids to just not think about it too much and I might give some guiding questions or inquiry and that helps them to put something down. And when they've put something down on paper, then we might sort of look at little parts of it and try and understand the part. Where do you feel that part? Or can you, you know, describe what that's like in your tummy? So they might describe a tightness, you know, a little rope, a rope that's tied up 
And just by exploring it that way, it sort of helps them to see it. And it's sort of then we're talking in symbols and we're, we're talking in metaphors and there's something in that that sort of then helps them connect with memories or things other times they felt this way. And, and then that sort of helps them to understand it. So you are helping in that way. You're helping the child to express the fear rather than the yeah. anger that was on top. Fear or the sadness often. Fear and then often it leads to sadness, yeah, which is different to talking about the anger, yeah. And what's the, what's the impact on the child of being able to express that, express what's going on for them underneath? Well, it's interesting because they, they look at it and, and they're often quite curious about how they got to that. Is this um, a drawing? Yeah, they're drawing. Yeah. Yeah, they step back and they look at it and uh, I think it's a novel. There's some novelty in it. So it's it, they're interested, but they often describe feeling lighter or it's sort of not as heavy inside or not as serious. It's not such a, a big thing that they're carrying. Um, looking at it on paper, it makes sense, yeah. They're, they're curious about it. And they they smile, they look at it and they think, oh, they, that, that makes sense. So there's a lightness in them often. So by having expressed that fear or the sadness, whatever the emotion was underneath, I'm guessing that they mm, no longer need to be angry because the anger they is see kind of covering up the fear? Yeah, they see it differently. They understand why they're angry. Because, you know, this thing that they've been carrying inside was really painful or uncomfortable and confusing and they didn't understand it and no one else understood it. So by putting it out there on paper and then sometimes they'll share it with a parent, I think there's something about that feeling understood, feeling heard and understood and that it's okay seems to shift it for them, seems to make it okay. It's not such a problem in them because they've explored it and understood it. So having done that, Vivian, if if we take an example of a child who is living in an environment that at home that is very stressed, there may be relationship stress, there may be financial stress, there may be housing stress, whatever the stress is. There may be, you know, people with other health needs in the house, right? So you work with the child and then the child goes back into that environment. Does the same thing kind of build up again or is it is it helpful to give a child an experience of expression of, of, of what's underneath to help them as they move forward in the same environment? I think it, it does. It is about helping them learn ways to manage their emotions. We can't Often, if the stressful, it is a stressful situation at home, children can't change that, yeah, and that is the reality and they can be, feel quite powerless in their situation. But what we're talking about or what we're doing in the sessions is learning about how to, how to manage themselves, how to communicate so that uh, they're not carrying it on their own. I will work with the parents to sort of try and understand and help them understand the dynamics and how 
what's going on at home is impacting on all of them really, not just the child, and helping them to sort of explore how they can manage too. I'm talking about the home environment but also the school environment. You know, children have to go back into the school. And I imagine that you see a lot of children that don't want to go to school. They don't want to go to school for all sorts of reasons. You know, some of them it is about what's going on at home, that they're distressed about leaving home and, and going to school. But for some kids, unfortunately, school's not a safe place. Um, so there might be bullies or there might be, you know, challenges at school that they don't know how to cope with, you know, maybe teacher who they don't get along with or, you know, don't feel understood by. So all sorts of things. The fact is we can't always change our environment. You know, the, the environments are stressful sometimes and I think it's an important skill to learn how to handle myself, how to support myself so that I can be okay even for part of that time. As you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, this this child is learning how to be with themselves, probably surrounded by a whole load of adults that don't know how to be with themselves. True. I'm sure you see that often. Yes, often. I think sometimes that working with the kids is I'm working with the parents to work with the child. Sometimes I'm not working with the child at all. It is really working with the parents to help them learn or understand what's going on for them that's impacting or that's, you know, filtering through to the child. It's hard on a lot of children, right, when the children are sort of identified as the problem or the mm-hmm. part of the system yeah. that has the problematic behaviour. When they're very little with all this bigness around them, that is actually the source of the difficulty. Yeah. When I when I get a renew referral, I'm first thing I do is meet with the parents and talk with the parents. And at that point I'm deciding whether it's actually appropriate to work with the child or it's actually the work has to be with the parents which in turn is going to help the child. It's not always the child. Do you work with the schools as well, with the teachers? Sometimes if the parents are willing to let me engage with the school, that doesn't happen so much. I don't know, all sorts of stigma around seeking a psychologist's perspective or psychologist's input. There are a lot of schools do have school counsellors, so I might engage with them so that we're not covering or we're not conflicting in terms of what we're doing with the child and the family. Yeah, it always seems to me terribly unfair that that, that blame gets put on very little people. Sometimes it's not appropriate to engage with a child, yeah. What can we do as parents or as adults, you know, adults with relationships with small people, what can we do to help them develop more emotionally healthily? I think as adults learning to accept our humanness, that we all have emotions. Even parents have vulnerability, have moments when when they're not coping. So being able to model how to, how to handle that or how to be with that is actually going to help a child learn that it's okay. It's not a, a fault or there's nothing wrong with emotion. It's actually how we choose to handle ourselves. That's the important bit how we communicate, how we how we share, how we vent. So we need to become good emotional models 
And what else can we do for our children? Openness, I guess, being present, being available. Look, it's not possible to be that parent all the time, 100% of the time. It's not necessary. There's, there is some research I heard about this. I think it was of some family website, parenting. We need to be attentive parents 30% of the time is enough for a child to feel safe and secure and contained. It's not about being completely attentive 100% of the time. That's going to build reliance, dependency. We want a child to grow healthy and content and, and be able to manage themselves, but we need to model it 30% of the time. Okay, we need to model it 30% of the time and we need to encourage children to also be open, be able to accept their own emotions, be able to comfort. And they learn that, they learn how to comfort themselves when we show them, when we comfort them, when we reassure them, when we acknowledge them, when we are present to be able to hear them is how they learn to be with it. Big job, hey, being a parent? It is. It's constant. But there, there are joys in it and there are challenges in it. But I think it's, it's important work, yeah. Vivian, thank you for your insight and thank you for your reminders to us as adults to listen to our little people. And thank you for speaking to me. Thank you, Lou. Vivian Wisniewski, who is an educational and developmental psychologist and emotion-focused therapist based in Melbourne.